The reading is taken from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 35 to 50. One Corinthians chapter fifteen verse thirty five. But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies, and what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. The star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonour, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust, the second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Well, good morning, everybody. If you've still got a Bible open in front of you, please don't close it. That's gonna be really helpful to have in front of you so that we can see what God wants to say to us from this passage this morning. So as we get to that, let me pray for us. Oh, Father God, we sung a few moments ago about how Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And so as we do open up your word this morning, we pray that you would lead us into his way, his truth, so that we might live a life like his. We pray in his name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to get right to it and let you know what I think is the main point of this passage. It's this, that fish don't fly. If you can remember that, then you can understand 1 Corinthians 15, or at the very least, this bit of it that we're looking at this morning. Now, as I say that, I'm well aware that those of you who know me well will be rolling your eyes and going, oh, here we go again. And those of you who don't know me so well will be utterly baffled by what I've just said. 
I know, I know. It needs a bit of explanation. Fish have bodies, don't they? And those bodies are perfectly suited for swimming in water. When you see a fish swimming, they are fast and they are agile and majestic. Shroom, shroom, shroom. They're beautiful. But if you take a fish up in an aeroplane and throw them out the window, well, that is wrong on a whole number of levels, isn't it? But not least because fish don't fly. They become a fish out of water, so to speak, don't they? Okay, here's where we come back round to 1 Corinthians 15. As the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote this, he is arguing here that as human beings, we have bodies that are fit for the earth. They are earthly bodies. Bodies made from flesh and blood. Bodies made from the dust of the earth. So just as fish have bodies fit for water, we have bodies fit for the earth. The problem is that our bodies are not fit for entering into heaven. We saw that there in the very last verse that Helena read for us in verse 50, didn't we? I tell you this, brothers and sisters, says Paul, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Fish can't fly and earthly bodies cannot enter into heaven. Now, since the dawn of time, folks have scratched their heads and tried to figure out what happens once we die. And folks, we don't want to indulge in any speculation about that, as so many do. No, no, no. The reason we've got Bibles open in front of us is because we want to see what God has said will happen when we die. And what he is telling us here is that he has a plan for our bodies, which is mind-blowingly magnificent. For all who trust in Jesus, God is going to raise our earthly bodies from death and he's going to transform them into a heavenly body so that you can live with him in his new creation. Or as I might put it, so that fish can fly. That is what God is promising us here in 1 Corinthians 15. Now you might respond to that by saying, how does that yeah but how does that all that work well that is exactly the question that Paul starts with in verse 35 he has already been talking about the resurrection of the dead we saw that a few weeks ago he's been saying that because Christ was raised physically bodily we can be raised from the dead too and there's a bunch of people in Corinth who go <laughs> that is ridiculous I mean, how can the dead be raised? What kind of bodies are they going to have? I mean, what about someone who's been created? Is God going to get his dustpan and brush out and gather together all the disparate scattered molecules and bring them back together? Or what about someone who's died as a child? Are they going to be permanently toddling around as a three-year-old forever? Or is Granny going to come back, still needing that hip replacement that she never quite got round to? And what about me? Which version of Ken Matthews is going to be there? The 20-year-old version? Or the 49-year-old one? Now, obviously, there is pretty much little or no difference between those two fine physical specimens. But which one is it going to be? Folks, it's no wonder that the Corinthians are, are going... 
saying that this idea of a bodily resurrection is crazy. But if we're tempted to think that, then Paul throws that right back in our face in verse 36. He says, no, no, you're the crazy ones. He calls us fools, doesn't he? As we are ignoring the ample evidence that there is for a bodily resurrection. So Paul says, firstly, in verses 36 to 37, don't you know that dead things can be amazingly transformed? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. Now, I wasn't very good at biology at school, but even I can follow Paul's line of thinking here. He says, look at nature. When your body dies, like this little seed I've got in my hand, it may seem small and shriveled up and really rather unimpressive so that you can barely see it. But if like my little daughter did last summer, you take it and you plant it in the ground and you give it some time, then up will pop this whopping great big beautiful sunflower, full of life. Paul's point is simply this, that God has a great track record of bringing abundant life from dead things. He has form when it comes from taking one kind of body, a, a shriveled up, frail, ordinary body, and producing something amazing with it. So Mr. Corinthian, if you've got no problem with God making olive trees from olive seeds or great big horse chestnut trees from conkers, why have you got such a big problem with the resurrection body. Just look at verse 36 again. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. It's ridiculous to argue from a sunflower seed that a sunflower is impossible. And it is ridiculous to argue from an earthly body that a resurrection body is impossible. It's no different to what happens in your back garden every autumn and spring. Dead bodies can be amazingly transformed. And what's more? Paul goes on to say, secondly, don't you know that there are different kinds of bodies? As it turns out, we've got a double period of science this morning. As the lesson continues in verse 38. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. God does all kinds of different bodies, doesn't he? I mean, you know when you're eating chicken or fish. It's different kind of flesh because it's different kind of bodies. But look, Paul, Paul pushes this a bit further in verse 40, doesn't he? There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and so on with the moon and the stars. They have a different kind of glory. So earthly bodies have some kind of splendor. So like a frog as a physical specimen, 
has some kind of splendour, doesn't he? But it'd be weird to compare a frog with the sun. <laughs> to say to the frog, well, you're not as glorious as the sun, are you? Because he's got an earthly body, bless his heart. Whereas the sun, the sun has a heavenly body. And Paul is saying, if we're going to be transformed, if we're, if we're going to go to heaven, then our bodies are going to need to be transformed from earthly glory to heavenly body. He's saying you've got to start thinking about a very different kind of body. And do you think God is capable of doing different? Of course he can. God is not a one-trick pony. He's, again, he has got form when it comes to doing different. He is fully capable of delivering a gloriously different resurrection body so that you and I will shine like the sun. And isn't that good news, says Paul? Because thirdly, don't you see that your body needs a serious upgrade? I mean, look at all of the things that go wrong with our bodies in verses 42 to 43. Our bodies are perishable. If you were to place me in a supermarket, I would not be with the rice and the pasta. I'd be with the cucumber and the lettuce. Because pasta and rice are the kind of things that you can keep for ages without them ever going off. But salad stuff, well, it goes limp and soggy pretty quickly, doesn't it? And folks, that's me. And that's you too. Our bodies are perishable. We know that. Do you know that apparently from about the age 20, our bodies are physically declining. We're all wasting away. And some more quickly than others. But our bodies, they are also dishonourable. That's the word used in verse 43 of our bodies, isn't it? And let's face it, we have done some things with our bodies that we are deeply ashamed of. Just think about the things that we have clicked on with our hands. The things our eyes have looked at. The things we've said with our mouths, the places that our feet have taken us, we are ashamed. Or we should be. Our bodies have done some incredibly dishonourable things. And again in verse 43, our bodies are weak. I like to think that I'm superhuman and capable of everything, but we can't be in two places at one time. There are limits on our bodies. Our bodies get tired, we get ill. We know that, don't we? It is so frustrated, frustrating being a human being sometimes, isn't it? But look again at what God promises in these verses. If you trust in Christ, then God is gonna give you a massive body upgrade. Your new body will be to your old body like this, like a sunflower is to this puny little seed. So think of a body that is sown, imperish uh, sown perishable. It will be raised imperishable. It will be a body uh, that never shows any signs of wear and tear, a body that is not heading towards death anymore. Think of a body that is sown in dishonour, but then is 
raised in glory. A body where there is nothing to be ashamed about anymore, ever. Think of a body that is sown in weakness, but then is raised in glory. A body where you are capable of doing anything and everything. A body able to fight sin, able to love like Jesus loves. Able to worship. Just think about that. What a promise. God is going to do something amazing out of something as ordinary as you. Maybe you know someone this morning with a body that is falling apart. Maybe that's your body. Maybe it's the body of someone you love. But you don't have to be creaky and falling apart at the seams to enjoy these verses, do you? But you do need to understand the next handful of verses to know just how to receive God's offer of a resurrection body, a body fit for heaven. Because it doesn't just happen naturally. It has to happen supernaturally. So fourthly and finally, Paul says, don't you see that you need a spiritual body? Have a look with me. Will you at verse 44? It is soon a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So there's two models for humanity here, aren't there? The first model is Adam, the first man ever made, back in Genesis chapter 1, the prototype human being, if you like. And that model is described here in the verses that follow as earthly and natural and of the dust. And that's the body that you looked at in the mirror this morning. The body with thinning hair and dodgy hip and diabetes. But there is a second model for humanity here too, isn't there? And that's Jesus. And that model is described here and in these verses that follow us heavenly and spiritually and life-giving and that is the resurrection God, body that God has promised you when you die if and only if you turn to Jesus now if you put your trust in Jesus if you ask Jesus to come and forgive you your sins and fill fill you with his spirit so that you can walk by his spirit every day of your life till the day you die and if you do that well, on the day you die God will raise your earthly body from the dust and he will take it and remake it into a spiritual body a body like Christ and folks just look at what Jesus body res resurrection body was like we see it at the end of the gospels it was physical and tangible yet totally transformed. He could walk through walls. He could appear in locked rooms unannounced. It was perfect, sinless, glorious. He had a body that was no longer of the earth, but he had a body that was fit for the kingdom of heaven. As the first man raised from the dead, Jesus' body is the show home the prototype of your resurrection body. 
I know you might you might say to me, oh come on, this all sounds a little far-fetched, Ken. But let me tell you, this is God. God can do anything. He is good at bodies, remember. And so I want to say to you this morning, if you are frustrated and disappointed, I want to say to you, those of you who are fighting sin and are just wanting to give up, don't give up. And I want to say to those of you who think that actually a promotion at work or loads of money or marriage or family are the best things that you can hope for in life. They are not. It is a resurrection body capable of way more than your body is able to, capable of doing in this earthly life. And for those of us who sometimes look at a supermodel on the front cover of Cosmopolitan magazine and we are tempted to think, oh, my body could never look like that. She's got nothing on your resurrection body. Ronaldo's washboard stomach, it's pitiful compared to your resurrection body. And we need to be thanking and praising God for the future promise of that body. Because that will keep us from viewing, uh, from having too high a view of our bodies now. So we put way too much time and energy and money uh, into trying to maintain those bodies. But it will also stop us from hating our bodies now. To, to say, thank you, Lord, that you value my body, that you have a plan for my body, that you are going to transform my body one day. I can't wait for that, Lord. I can't wait. And I have to say that there will be some of us here this morning who will have experienced the tragic, tragic loss of a child in infancy or a miscarriage pregnancy. But isn't it comforting to be told that one day you will hold your child in your arms in the new creation, not as a baby, but with a bigger, better, fully formed resurrection body. I know also likewise that some of us have lost loved ones recently. And we're still struggling with the grief of that, of having lost a family member in Christ. But isn't it encouraging to know that their frail and failing body, their, their failed body, the body that failed, is now with Christ and can run and jump and leap like a gazelle with a massive body upgrade. And some of us, ourselves, we have bodies that are falling apart and failing. There will be cancer, there will be coronavirus, there will be disease and disability and death at work amongst us. But there is hope, is there not? Of a brand new life with a brand new body because of the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So please hold on. 
please hold on. Jesus is coming. Please put your trust in him. Let me pray for us now. Let's pray together. Our oh, Father, God, so many of our greatest joys in this world are physical. So we thank you that you have a plan. You are committed not only to our souls, but our bodies also. And as we experience how perishable and dishonourable and weak our earthly bodies really are now, we pray that you would help us long for the permanence, the glory and the power that you have promised us in the new creation through Jesus Christ. May we hold fast to those promises and thank and praise you in his name. Amen.